Well, thank you again for uh, joining us. And as we dive into this topic, we're going to just encourage you to uh, say hello or ask any questions you have in the comments. We're doing this over YouTube, and we're also, again, releasing this over a podcast tonight. It's the fifth and sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. So uh, what we have been doing, uh, if you're joining us and it's kind of jumping in midstream, is that uh, we've been looking at uh, the different parts of the small catechism piece by piece over the last several weeks throughout this pandemic. And today is no different. We've made our way um, most way through the Lord's Prayer. We've got um, some finishing up to do that we'll do tonight and then also next week. But uh, again, so glad that, that you're here. Um, if you're listening to this via podcast, uh, we still have the ability to make comments and ask questions. So uh, please interact that way too as you listen to this as well. I will be sharing some things on my screen uh, that if you're just listening, you may not be able to uh, see, but I'll try to point you to what I'm looking at and I'll try to make sure that I read it uh, loud and clear and perhaps even slow. Um, I try anyhow. Uh, I've got um, sort of that Midwest uh, fast talking thing going on. Um, and so we'll see how it works out. But anyhow, so tonight uh, we'll go ahead and dive in and start with the fifth petition. Again, we have a lot to cover. I'm not sure how much we're going to get through in the next uh, 30 to 40 minutes or so, but we're going to try. So let's go ahead and uh, take a look at the fifth petition. All right. Okay, there we go. The fifth, fifth petition found in Luther's small catechism uh, lays out the wording of the prayer as we forgive us or and forgive us. Oh, I butchered that. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the question that always follows in Luther's small catechism is what does this mean? This is like the Lutheran question. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. So again, as I mentioned, there's a lot in here. And a lot of this stuff probably hits you right away because there's big struggles all over and forgive us our trespasses. Maybe you're wrestling with that question of, am I really forgiven? Uh, I've wrestled with it and I'm probably going to wrestle with it again. It's probably going to come up and get me at some point. Am I really forgiven? And if that's not your struggle, then maybe this one is your struggle forgiving other people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. <laughs> Yikes. So we have these, this petition that is just loaded with, with challenges for us, right? Um, and we have Luther's explanation here uh, that, again, I think speaks a word that is different from the word that our culture would speak. Um, and so I love to kind of compare what, what God is saying versus some of the messages we hear out there. So Luther's small catechism says, um, we pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. So let's stop there for a moment. Luther is aware of the gravity uh, of sin. 
at least as much as any one person can be. And he is saying that because of our sin, God would be just to ignore our prayer. And he would be just to look at our sins. It would be just for him to keep the record on us. And of course, you know, it'd be an accurate record because he's God. But let's contrast that with how we feel in our society when somebody tells us no or that we are not worthy. Either one of those responses. If somebody says no to something that you feel like you should have or you're not worthy of something, um, we generally fly off the handle, call that person judgmental, and try to find some allies that will agree with us and then cast or heap shame upon whoever it is that is telling us no. But here in this prayer, we draw before the presence of God and we recognize our unworthiness. We pray that God would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them, that God wouldn't give us the, the stiff arm, although he would be just in doing so. Um, and uh, Luther continues, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and deserve nothing but punishment. In our world, I think this is another challenge to admit that, yeah, um, we do indeed daily sin much. Uh, and you'll, you'll hear messages that run counter to this truth uh, out, you know, in the media, in, um, uh, in the press, in popular books and movies and things like that. And of course, you'll also find it in the church. I think our default is that if we are unhappy, then we have to fix our emotions so that we can be happy and comfortable again. Uh, so we hardly ever admit that there is anything wrong with us deeper than the fact that we might need an attitude adjustment. And also, whenever we notice that there's something wrong about us, we look out in our world and try to remove something or try to end a relationship or whatever else that might be making us feel bad. But here, um, Luther and the church says, no, the problem is me. Right? The problem is me. Um, and if we get really deep into that thought, we also recognize that the problem is me in almost every circumstance. Uh, I can't have a conflict with somebody without my sin having something to do with it. Um, there are very few times where you have, um, where I am just the, the pure victim. Either somebody did something to me and I am just wrestling with forgiving them, uh, and there my sin is at work trying to, trying to make things worse for me. Um, or, um, again, it's uh, some type of thing where I've, uh, I'm, my, somebody might have done something wrong, but I might have said even a small word that was not right, and their sin pops up. And so, uh, even my good works, um, Luther will tell us about this too, that even my good works, it is so hard to um, even do a good work with, you know, a pure motive. In fact, it's impossible. Um, even when we're trying to help other people, there's always something that pops up. Um, oh, that person didn't say thank you. Oh, there's sin again. We're looking for gratitude. Or, man, I really do feel better now that I did that. Well, there's sin again. We've taken a good deed and turned it into some sort of self-serving thing and made it about us. And so um, uh, this is where uh, I think the, the Lutheran Church has a great message for the world, um, a message that um, if we were all politicians would make us unelectable. You are the problem. I am the problem. We are all messed up. <laughs> and uh, and and the 
in the Lutheran church, we, uh, we sometimes struggle to like be able to really talk about why we're messed up and there's need for growth there. But I will also say that uh, while we aren't always uh, situated to really, you know, be able to open up and share, which is a problem. We are um, brutally honest about our condition, at least in general, that we are, the problem that um, we are wicked, uh, sinful people, not worthy of God's grace, uh, that God uh, would be just in keeping record of our sins, and that also um, He is right in denying our prayer. But, or He would be right in denying our prayer. But let's um, look at uh, this. Uh, petition from a from a different standpoint, perhaps one that's a little bit more positive, one that would give us a little bit more confidence this evening. All right, and so I'm kind of pulling the uh, YouTube channel up on my on another device here. So uh, again, multitasking. But let's look at it from a different perspective because Luther introduces something uh, that is wonderful, actually, uh, for us. That um, as we go through and consider uh, this article and whether or not we can actually be certain. Of forgiveness and know uh, if we're actually forgiven or not uh, Luther has this to say um, he says let everyone accustom himself therefore to believe for a certainty that he is in a state of grace and that person and that his person with its works is pleasing to God but if he senses that he is in doubt let him exercise his faith struggle against the doubt and strive for certainty so that he can say I know that I have been accepted and that I have the Holy Spirit, not on account of my worthiness or virtue, but on account of Christ who subjected himself to the law on account of our works and took away the sin of the world. This is what we call uh, objective justification. In other words, that uh, God has given, um, God has, has given us Jesus. He has given us the righteousness uh, that Jesus earned through all of his good works, and he has also given us forgiveness for our for our sins. And so God has given us Jesus. He has done that. I have not, you know, grabbed on to forgiveness and righteousness and brought it down to myself. Um, I am not responsible for the giving of Jesus, right? And so then Luther says also, like, let let's exercise our faith then. Uh, let's expect to be tempted in towards uncertainty when it comes to our faith. Let's expect that. And so let's realize that and exercise our, our faith and, and, and look at that objective justification that, that I have received Christ mercy and grace past present and future tense fact. Um, and this is because of God's goodness, goodness and not my own uh, merit or worth. This is something that God is doing um, by his own power and his great mercy. And then uh, another thing that uh, that Luther provides for us, another skill I think that, that Luther offers us uh, when, we're, when we're fighting against this uh, idea that we're unworthy um, and that uh, we've sinned and we've messed everything up and God has no interest in us, is this idea of talking back uh, to your sin. Talking back to Satan when he tempts you and, and talking back, uh, I guess, to even the world. Um, you might have done that at a time or two, but um, Luther's great when, he, when it comes to talking back to Satan or talking back to our sinful nature to say, listen, you, um, <laughs> I have been baptized. I have received 
uh, the grace of Jesus Christ. And you may no longer speak to me about my unworthiness because I have this great treasure of worthiness in Jesus. And you know that he was perfect and you can do nothing about that. And so he has given me all of his perfection. He has given me his grace abundantly. So, uh, so sin, my sinful nature, Satan, shut it. <laughs> and so uh, Luther's really great with that. So sometimes maybe that's what we need to do when we're wrestling with forgiveness. Am I forgiven? We need to stop and like kind of externalize a little bit these, these things that are trying to get at our faith and be like, no, you may no longer speak. You do not have the right to talk here about my salvation. Christ has silenced you. Christ has done all that is necessary, and he has given me all of his good works and all of his grace. He's given me his very body and blood. You may no longer accuse me. I am Christ. Um, and so um, uh, maybe that's maybe we need to slap our sinful nature around a little bit, uh, slap Satan around a little bit. Um, and uh, as, again, what we started with, exercise your faith and say, no, I know these things to be true and I believe them. Um, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to cling uh, to this forgiveness and grace. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, this next part too. Forgive um, as we forgive those who trespass against us. As we forgive those who trespass against us. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, this one is tough, and, and I actually kind of wrestle with what to say because there's so many, um, and I always do when it comes to forgiveness because there's so much texture to it. You might have had somebody that has done something horrible to you. Maybe they mentally or even physically or, and, or emotionally abused you, and that's, that's a level um, that, that takes um, a lot of work and grace and, and counseling and, and all that um, to get to where you can even semi-feel at peace in moments. Um, uh, you know, uh, other, other times we're just heading, holding on to just really small things and we just need to, um, we need to grow. <laughs> we need to say, I'm done with this. And so there's this whole spectrum of stuff uh, that can fall under this petition. So many different struggles and, and ways of struggling with this one. Um, but where my mind usually goes with this is the church. Uh, and here's why. Because uh, there is a particularly wicked irony when Christians are not able to show grace to one another. I'm going to say that again. It's, there's a particularly wicked irony when Christians are not able to share grace with one another. And the reason is obvious, isn't it? Um, but, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it in kind of a unique way, um, or at least a way that sort of makes us think a little bit more deeply about fellowship. He says, my brother is only my brother through what Jesus has done to and for him and what Jesus has done to and for me. I'm paraphrasing there, but, but bond, that's one of the points that Bonhoeffer brings out in his book, Life Together, that, that the bond that I have with you, um, my fellow believer, um, is not my friendship or affection for you. It's not the fact that we have um, this common interest and hobby of reading the Bible and singing some, some hymns together. But the thing, the thing that links me to you um, is what Jesus has done for to you and for you and what Jesus has done to me and for me. Um, 
Christ stands between you and I. And if you listen to me long enough, you've heard me expound upon this kind of concept earlier or before where Jesus is literally standing right between me and my brother or me and my sister in Christ. Um, and so isn't it interesting then that uh, when we have received um, this great forgiveness from Jesus, um, that here we struggle mightily to share it sometimes. Um, and of course, when this, when this doesn't happen, the effects are manifold, but just speaking at a church level, when there's a lack of forgiveness, there are a few ways that we could do more harm to our witness in the world. Um, from one, from a very human standpoint that, um, who wants to be in a place where they're surrounded by people who call themselves brothers and sisters and yet hate each other. <laughs> um, and more thinking more theologically, you know, again, um, how, how do we demonstrate um, the realness of Christ's forgiveness and grace when we are incapable of sharing it? Because if we're not capable of sharing it, then, then this whole thing is just talk. Um, it's just talk. And, and it really doesn't come uh, to much at all. Um, and so uh, there's a couple things. I think one, um, we would do well to kind of do a reality check. Um, so you want to be a part of a church, huh? You want to be a part of a church. Well, great. But just so you know, it's going to hurt. <laughs> there's there's going to be times where perhaps your pastor lets you down. Um, not me. It happens to other pastors, or so I'm told. Um, or it happens uh, with other people. Um, I'm seeing no comments coming in yet about that one. Um, thanks for letting me slide tonight, people. Uh, so it can happen to to um, uh, it can happen between pastor and people, or sometimes people and people in the congregation. Um, but it will happen. Why wouldn't Satan uh, try to tempt us into a lack of forgiveness for one another? Again, there's fewer, there's, there's few ways that we could do more damage to our witness than to not be forgiving. So of course, Satan would want to just drill in on that one. That would be, you know, one of the best ways to attack Christian fellowship. There will be decisions you don't like. There will be things that don't go your way. There will be times where your love for others are tested. And I'm not saying this to, to beat you up. I'm saying this rather actually to, to empathize. Um, if we're being quite honest, I, I've been through, you know, difficult times as, as a pastor, as a pastor, I see the, the underbelly, you know, of the church. Um, and sometimes, um, uh, it touches me. I remember that there, um, you know, uh, was a, was one particular Sunday. Um, I'm not going to give them the specifics or time, so don't worry about it. Everything's good. Um, but there was one Sunday where it's like, man, it's just hard. Um, uh, and, uh, who knows? Maybe I would have slept in, but I had to preach. Um, <laughs> and, and that can be a bind. And, and that's another complexity, right? Because um, when we are offended and when we're trying to process that offense and we're trying to get to a good and healthy place, that isn't going to work on a seven-day cycle, right? So if something happens to you, um, you're thinking, oh, no, I've got seven days to get this right because I have to come back before the Lord and worship and receive his gifts, and I need to do it. Um, you know, uh, with a heart that is free of grudges and everything. Um, 
and so again, here we see that this issue gets gets tough. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lighten the load on us uh, soon, but I have to tell you there, there's one question uh, that just absolutely uh, put me on the floor, uh, and 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 it happened actually earlier today. If if I wasn't you know supposed to. Um, if I wasn't supposed to have been working at that time, um, I might have just laid on the floor. Um, <laughs> and so um, here's the question. I, I wrote it down. Um, again, this hit me as I, was, as I was preparing this. If I am angry at my brother or sister in Christ, and if I am becoming bitter towards them over one thing that they have done to me, have I – did I – love them in the first place. So if I am having trouble letting go with something and resentful, and if every time I see that person, it's it, this person, it stirs up bad emotions inside of me. Have I, did I love that person before this even happened? Because if I can be turned resentful and angry so fast, um, is that, is that love? First Corinthians 13, four to seven. We go. We're going to make it bigger if you're watching this. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's no room in that for resentment or grudges. Do you see why I wanted to lay on the floor? <laughs> if anything, or well, I wouldn't say if anything, because again, there are some times where you have genuinely uh, loved and cared for someone and they have hurt you with one devastating act or maybe several over many years. But a lot of times, a lot of times, um, what a lack of forgiveness shows is perhaps a lack of love in the first place. Lord, have mercy. We are never as good as we think. And so, and this is, and this is where we get really tied up in knots, right? This is where we really get tied up in knots. Um, because if you've been hurt, like I said, it is complicated. You have a natural God-given need for justice. That is a God-given desire that justice would be done, that whatever is wrong would be made right. Um, justice flows from God. And so whenever we are craving justice, um, that is, that is the desire at least is, is from God. Now, we might be wrong about the things that we want justice for. We may not know all the information, but that desire even if it can at times be misdirected, that desire is a God-given desire. And so then we're trapped between two different desires. And I think this is where we really get tangled up when it comes to wrestling with forgiveness or forgiving somebody, is that we have a desire for justice, and yet we also have a desire for relationship, for fellowship. That also is a God-given desire. Adam and Eve were created to become 
one, but they were also created, you know, and part of becoming one was fellowship that they might have a family. And from that, all kinds of peoples would fill the earth, but those peoples would be in families and communities. We are designed for community and the Trinity was in community before the world began, right? So you have uh, father, son, and Holy spirit existing together in perfect harmony and unity in this little divine, not little, I guess I should say massively big and incomprehensible community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling in harmony together before the world began. So our desire for community is a God-given one too. And so we're kind of caught between the rails. Um, and on one side, we're desiring justice. On another side, we're desiring relationship. And when an offense comes along that, you know, we get stuck here. Um, we want this wrong to be made right and we want it now. And also it hurts because the relationship is suffering or maybe even severed. Right? So, so that's where we are. Um, so, but, but fortunately, fortunately, Oh, I'll, I'll add this too. Um, while I'm complaining, um, <laughs> and that is that life also offers so very few opportunities, right? To, to have the conversation we need to have with somebody to say, you hurt me either because time just flies by people go their separate ways or the conversation at least feels impossible because we think there's no way that conversation can go well. And so whatever it might be, um, you know, it, it seems like life also offers very little opportunities to really just clean the slate in a way that is safe and a way that will be heard in a mature way um, where there will be understanding and hope for reconciliation. It just seems so rare that that ever happens. And so a lot of times we just get stuck, right? We get stuck. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, I feel, I feel like the, um, this, this cloud um, coming from you all like, man, um, this is depressing tonight, but stick with me. It's getting better right now. All right. Um, so the solution though, is fortunately obvious. The solution is obvious. Stick to dogs. They're the best people. Just avoid people. Just dogs are the best people. I will go with that. Um, actually, I'm I'm kind of kidding. Um, I do think the dogs are the best people, but but the 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 best path forward um, still is forgiveness. Um, hopefully, we don't have to expound long on the disadvantages of pursuing revenge. Um, or holding on to grudges or whatever else. Um, we know the path forward, the only path forward is forgiveness. So want to share a couple thoughts on that. You know, like what if I'm struggling? What if somebody did something and I cannot let go? Um, first of all, this is, I think, part of the beauty of the way that most uh, liturgies are designed. Christine, you're wrong. I, for, I forgive you, but it's not cats. It's dogs. It's dogs. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, we have uh, that you're not alone. Um, and, and we recognize this, um, again, when we look at the liturgy. Um, the Lord's Prayer comes before communion. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, because... What are we praying? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We, as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? And so we're praying together as a body, as, as a church, that 
forgiveness might happen, that I might be able to forgive. Yes, I'm praying that, that I would be able to forgive in that moment. But I'm but also along with me is everyone in the room praying that same thing. And when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And so in one way, my pain um, is needs to be dealt with, not just, not just internally and all that stuff, but also um, that healing needs to hit the whole community. And so the whole community is bound together to work together towards forgiveness. You are not alone. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And what a beautiful realization that is because so often it happens that um, – a person is getting ready for communion and they realize that they're still really, really, really ticked off at someone um, and they're wrestling with it. Well, 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 you have this prayer yet to say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in that moment, perhaps we find some rest to know that, in my battle and my struggle to forgive, which is not coming naturally and not coming easy, I've got allies. I really do. And perhaps even praying that one little line together can lead to greater things where we recognize that there are other people that I can talk to about this. Um, there are other people that, that can help me along the way. And, um, and, and that's another thing that we can get to. Um, besides the fact that you're not alone, um, you can press deeper into the community, into the people around you, into the resources that God has put near you, and do something difficult. Confess your lack of forgiveness to another brother or sister in Christ who's not involved in the conflict you might have found yourself in. Um, Jesus loves to work in real flesh and blood ways. After all, he took on human flesh, and he loves to work through concrete things like water and bread and wine and he also uh adores working through uh regular ordinary people with you know uh, a human mouth and vocal cords and one of the best ways to recognize jesus in the community apart from the sacraments is to confess to another brother or sister in christ and i want to open my door to you uh in that uh whether you're listening this to this here uh, in uh, Gainesville, Georgia, and you're a committed member of Good Shepherd. Thank you, by the way. Um, but also, if you are listening somewhere else, um, consider me uh, a safe space. If, if there's somebody that, that you're struggling to forgive, um, you can come and talk to me. I'm well acquainted with wrestling with forgiveness. Um, so we'll e we will at least have that in common. Um, but also, um, perhaps... Uh, the Spirit might work through me uh, to talk to you, um, or at least to listen to you. Um, and so press deeper into the community and do that. And if I have offended you, um, uh, it's, uh, of course, uh, an opportunity where, where you can come to me. Um, and I will not yell at you or beat you up um, unless um, uh, if I feel like I'm stronger than you, which I'm not. I guarantee you I'm not. Uh, and so you're totally safe. Um, but uh, so we have uh, this. Um, uh, so we have this that we press deeper into the community. Secondly, or thirdly, I'm sorry. Um, I think we can just go ahead and acknowledge this, that forgiveness is going to be hard work. That the moment we're offended, maybe we would be better off just saying, okay, Jesus, we're going to have some work to do here. 
I think we put a lot of the pressure on ourselves to just become instantly um, forgiving, but forgiveness is hard won. It is painful. Uh, Christ died. Um, he suffered uh, to win forgiveness for us, and we should expect a little bit of pain in forgiving too. Um, and, but the other part about this also is that in recognizing that it's a struggle, we can also recognize uh, how much Christ went through for us. Right. So maybe I'm still maybe this is still an issue. Maybe I'm still trying to forgive somebody, but maybe also in the middle of me fighting with myself saying, let it go, let it go. I can look back and I can say, Jesus, you have let go of a lot for me. You've let go of so much for me. I can't let go of one thing. And yet you've let go of the countless sins that I have committed every day and continue to commit things I'm not even aware of. Thank you, Lord. And so perhaps there's grace in the struggle too. And then also uh, there is this. Um, yeah, okay. So forgiveness also strengthens community like nothing else. Um, you know, again, I've, I've mentioned that, that there have been times where even I struggle, you know, um, in community, to be in community and all that stuff. Um our sinful nature is always telling us to just go and hide, to bury your head in the sand, just to get away from this. Um, but when there is forgiveness, um, there is, there's nothing more beautiful or better or sweeter for the church. There's nothing more edifying, or hardly anything, um, more edifying for the faith of the people around you than whenever they witness reconciliation. Um, and so uh, also, again, recognize that there's an opportunity. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be writing a letter to yourself 15 years from now saying, I hope you've done this. Um, <laughs> cause you know, the struggle is going to be long and hard to get there. But when you get there, it is in fact a beautiful thing. Uh, if you're wondering, uh, you know, what do I do if, if, if I, um, thought I'd forgiven somebody and that grudge just popped up, or if you're wondering, um, man, uh, I still, you know, thank you, but I've, I've tried all these things and nothing seems to help. Um, know this, that, that, Forgiving is something also that perhaps you need to do time and time again, even if it's over the same thing. Um, that uh, perhaps we need to um, realize that our sinful nature will rear its head, that um, Christ is able to forgive once for all and finally, but we might have to revisit forgiveness for another person time and time again. An evidence of your faith and um, something that should give you reassurance about your salvation is that you're still struggling with it. You're still willing to fight against what you know is not working well inside of you, what you know is sinful inside of you, which is resentment and holding grudges. If you're still doing battle against those things, even if you're battling imperfectly, even if you have a number of losses in that, in that fight, if you're fighting, then the spirit is alive and well and stirring up the battle uh, inside of you. And so that's, that's good news, actually. Even if, it's, even if it's a painful feeling, it's good news. It's actually evidence of, of faith. Um, all right. So, uh, man, there's so much, uh, so, okay. Um, the sixth petition, uh, we might try to clean some of this stuff up next week. I'm going to try and dip our toes into it a little bit, uh, as we go here. So, um, here we go and look at the sixth petition to the Lord's prayer. All right. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, Luther writes, what does this mean? God tempts no one, 
We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice, although we are attacked by these things. We pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. So uh, that's Luther's explanation to the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation. Um, a couple points uh, before we wrap up, just kind of, again, kind of dipping our toe into the water. One is uh, Luther, again, partly because of the time that he wrote this, uh, which was in the um, 1500s, um, has a very different worldview than we do. And he sees things differently than we do. Um, also, though, at this time, um, uh, the worldview was much more biblical um, than ours is now. And so in some ways, we're kind of at a disadvantage. Um, but uh, Luther is very much aware of the reality of Satan, right? So God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard us from all the sources of temptation, Luther writes, the devil, world, and our sinful nature, that they may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and so on. Um, so he names the sources, uh, the, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Um, we, we feel a pressure to not admit that, that Satan is real. Um, and that's because I think we want to appear rational. Uh, certainly the church has had um, a hard enough time um, in the world, and there's been much ridicule of the church, and we don't want to add to that. We don't want to make things worse for ourselves or for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we're tempted to maybe just kind of not talk about that whole thing with the devil and all that. Um, but when we do, um, we put ourselves at a disadvantage because that's not how Jesus spoke. Uh, let's take a look here. I think I've got it up. John chapter 14, verse 30. Okay, where'd you go? Nope, I don't have this up. Oh, there we go. I just didn't hit enter on this webpage. This is going to be a smooth listen on the podcast. Yeah. All right, so John chapter 14, verse 30 says, um, I will no, no longer talk with you for the ruler of this world is coming. All right, who's the ruler of this world? It's Satan. Uh, and it was Satan who offered Jesus in his temptation uh, all the things of the world, right? All the kingdoms of the world. If you remember that story um, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus is taken up uh, in Matthew chapter 4 to the top of the temple, and he can see everything. He's got a great view. And Satan says, all of this, the whole world will be yours, right? So um, if Satan has the ability to give all that to Jesus, then Satan really has a lot of influence in this world. Um, and Jesus, again, even says the ruler of this world, uh, some translations would say the prince of this world is coming, right? Um, so, uh, and I think, again, we're at a disadvantage when we don't recognize um, the evil forces, namely Satan, um, but also the world and our, and our own sinful nature behind temptations that we feel. Um, and that's because we need to understand that our life is in fact spiritual warfare in baptism. Uh, you've been adopted into God's family. You've been brought into his kingdom. You have received forgiveness of your sins, but also you have made a terrible enemy. Um, one who doesn't like you last week, we talked about how Satan doesn't even want us to have a scrap of good bread to eat. He not only resents our spiritual blessings, he hates our physical blessings too. Um, he doesn't want any good for us. And that's the enemy you have. Um, hot and filled with hate. 
for you. <laughs> and so um, there's great strategical danger if we don't recognize that there is an enemy afoot. Um, perhaps there's a biblical pun in that, you know, like um, you will, uh, he will crush your head, you will strike his heel, an enemy afoot. You get it. Anyway, um, so also uh, just um, – on that note, then, then, then these temptations are a part of a strategy of evil that is meant to pull me away from the kingdom. That there is an end goal behind this evil personality, that, he, that he's trying to do something here. Not just to cause us a moment's inconvenience, but there's a greater strategy at hand. That when I am faced with temptations, that, that these are ways that Satan, the world, and even my own sinful nature are trying to lure me away from the kingdom of God, to lure me outside of it so that I'm found outside of it when Christ returns. All right. Um, so we make it, we make perhaps a, a big mistake. I would not say perhaps we make a big mistake when we try to minimize this um, or we don't allow ourselves to think about it and we fall asleep to it. Uh, another thing that I'll quote from the large catechism uh, as we wrap up is this, that as long as we remain in this vile life in which we are attacked, hunted, and harried on all sides, we are constrained to cry out and pray every hour that God may not allow us to become faint and weary and fall back into sin, shame, and unbelief. Otherwise, it is impossible to overcome even the least temptation. Wow. Uh, so again, that's Luther explaining the sixth petition in the large catechism. He's talking about uh, temptation there. And so a couple things out of that. One is um, in this vile life, uh, Luther again notes that we are in danger all the time. And uh, not only that, um, but we are constrained to cry out and pray every hour. That alone is our chief defense, that we would pray to God constantly. And he says, if that's not going on, we can't hope to be successful against even one temptation. Um, that's how severe and steep and difficult the road is and how, again, how much of an active enemy uh, Satan is uh, for us. Um, but uh, I'm going to conclude us on, again, on a happier note tonight. Um, and it's something that I'm going to touch base with again next week. Um, so I'm kind of jumping over some stuff right now. Um, but uh, I feel like it's important to, uh, to not leave us in the pit of despair. But here we have um, uh, actually an advantage that wrestling with temptations can bring us. Um, if we are, are fighting against um, temptation almost constantly, which we are, whether we recognize it as such or not, um, and uh, especially though if we are feeling the weight of that battle, if we've got a few scars from that battle, if um, we don't exactly have um, if, if our track record, if our battle track record is more like General Custer than, I don't know, let's say Patton or somebody, I don't know, um, pick a great general, um, then uh, what we need to understand is that we can still find comfort in that. Um, if you feel terrified by your own weakness, if you feel the weight of defeat on you, if you feel completely broken and you have uh, no hope for yourself in overcoming the next temptation that will come, blessed are you. Actually, blessed are you. Um, this is what we call being poor in spirit. 
This is what Jesus was referring to in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are we when our temptations actually lead us to a point where we finally give up on our own efforts. Blessed are we when we're finally humbled by our temptations and recognize that there's nowhere else to go. And blessed are we when in that place we turn to Jesus and say, I can do nothing, but you can do all things. And I need you to fix this. And I depend on you for it. That's poor in spirit. And if that's you, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we will, um, again, pick up next week. We're going to uh, get deeper into this um, uh, thought about temptation and, and how uh, we pray that Jesus would lead us around it. I hope these things are helpful. If they are, I would ask that you please share uh, this podcast or this uh, YouTube video. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe to our channel, and that would be uh, a big help to uh, getting this word out. And it also would help you know when we're doing things on here so you can catch up with us. Um, and so uh, to the first uh, five subscribers to our YouTube channel, I'll, I'll make this deal. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast, the first five people to do either, if you are struggling to forgive somebody, what we will do is we will write them a note anonymously where you can say whatever you want to say to them and it won't, it, it won't be in your handwriting. So um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, sorry. I See, I have a temptation where I can't resist my own twisted sense of humor. Um, we will not actually do that. But if you would like to subscribe, please go ahead and do so. <laughs> I cannot help but end on a weird note. Um, and so we'll see you next week. Uh, God's blessings. And uh, again, um, continue to pray um, for the, the church and um, the pandemic and uh, there's so many other things during this time. Uh, if there's a way I can pray for you, please let me know. Have a great evening.